Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. You've got Dan Bentley and as always, I'm joined by Tracy Newman. And today we're joined by our guest, Rachel Cook. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Dan, for having me. I really appreciate it. Love being here. You're welcome. We always like to start our podcasts off with an acknowledgement of country. Um, I'm up in Sydney at the moment, so I'm on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Aura Nations. I'd like to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. And I'm here in Adelaide, so I'd like to acknowledge the Ghana as custodians of the Adelaide region and pay my respects also. Thank you. And I'll add to those respects by paying respects to the Turrbal people, which is located here in Brisbane today. So today we've got Rachel on the show to talk to us about mission-focused. Uh, we had a short chat the other day with Rachel around her organisation, Inclusi, and they've made some changes in their organisation based on their focus on their mission so that they can impact more clients all around the country rather than just in their local area where they previously only provided their services. So mission-focused is one of those things we speak a lot about on our podcast. And the reason why we speak about being focused on mission is because that mission is the area that helps us to understand why we're innovating. It gives us that reason to change and to make those decisions. And I just thought this was a great example and we wanted to share it with all of our listeners. So Rachel, before we do sort of get into a lot of the content, did you want to just tell our listeners who you are and what you do? Yeah, thanks, Dan. My name is Rachel Cook and I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Inclusi. And Inclusi is an organisation that's been around actually for 51 years and we'll take you a bit of our journey through this podcast. But it's not always been Inclusi. Actually, this is the fourth business name that we've had over the four years. And what do we do? Well, our mission is quite succinct. We use the power of connection to reduce social isolation and loneliness for Australians. And predominantly at the moment, we're doing that in the aged care space. So we look after people people who are over 65 and above or over 50 and above if they identify as First Nations. And what makes it so different about what we do here in Clusey, because everybody connects, we're connecting right now. But in fact, this is actually how we deliver our service is through a virtual environment. So we have our very own virtual community, which has a range of different connection programs that people can join in the way that they want to on their terms. And whether that's a group program where they've got exciting things that they're interested in or one-on-one connection, they can choose how they want that connection to be. And we find a range of different volunteers from all over Australia to connect with our participants. And they also can be supported with their culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds or whatever their interest may be. Sometimes they want just somebody that might be interested in gardening, but sometimes they might want somebody that's a volunteer that is younger than them so that they can relate to their grandkids. Whatever that interest or need is, we can help find the right people for them. That's so cool. And I guess we're going to go into a bit more detail soon around exactly how you do that and some of the things that you've had to do to create that sort of an organisation. But can you take us back 50 years ago? What did the organisation look like then? And how's that sort of journey unfolded to where you are today? We've actually been around since 1973 and where we originated from was we actually built a community centre that was located in the inner city suburbs of Brisbane and it was designed exactly for seniors in the community 
to come together and connect and connect in a way of a range of different programs that they were interested in. So as I mentioned, exactly how we do it today, except for today, we do it through technology. And originally, we actually started out as a member-based program. And then as the organisation grew, but also the needs of the people that that served and the outer areas of Brisbane changed and and different demographics came into that region, the organisation needed to change. And as you probably see with a lot of non-for-profits, one of the biggest challenges that we have is obviously remaining sustainable and ensuring that we're remaining relevant for those needs as well. So over that 51 years, we moved and morphed from what was a member-based organisation serving that purpose to starting to get into the space of government funding. That's where, you know, sometimes things can take a little bit of a change in path. And rather than actually understanding what that mission might be or what the strategy might be or what the needs and expertise might be, often we can see in the non-for-profit space is, oh, there's funding over there. Let's try and bring on that and we can add that to our services. And look, all the funding that's out there is fantastic and very well needed. But, you know, sometimes the strategy might not always be there. So we grew very rapidly as an organisation and then changed from not only being a member-based organisation, but an organisation that offered a range of different aged care services under a different funding model. I think that's really interesting because you talk about staying relevant and not just following the funding. I think they're two things that are particularly of interest and it's a really tricky path to navigate. So how did you get to the point where you were like, all right, you know, we need to kind of have a bit more strategy here and instead of just following the funding, we need to chart our own path. What was that like? Great question, Tracy. So I actually came on as the Chief Executive Officer about five years ago and I was brought into the organisation by the board to sort of reassess what that looked like. And, you know, with that growth, we can often lose our way and forget about what the primary mission was. And we probably were sort of in that space at that time is we'd forgotten what that might look like and we were doing a lot of things, as I said, that are very important for the community but not particularly well. You know, there wasn't anything that really stood out that we were experts in or that we were actually doing differently. But one thing I did notice, and I suppose that really set off the direction of where we are today, is we were delivering connection services. And what I identified is we'd started to do it in this digital space. So actually, we started to do what we do today about eight years ago. So well before COVID hit. And, you know, it was that that I went this connects back to our mission. This connects back to the purpose of why we started as an organisation in the first place. And all of these other things, whilst they're really important, I hate to say it, there's other people that are doing these things better. In order to deliver amazing services for the people that we serve, the right thing was to let others deliver those services. And for us to reevaluate what we look like and come back to the roots of our purpose and do that really well. How did you go through that process? I mean, I think that's one of the tricky things about making that decision is how did you sort of get everybody on board with this pretty significant change? Yeah, look, it was a massive change. And, you know, it started with really robust conversations between myself and the board. And I must say, I have an amazing board that are very, very supportive. And they really understood the challenges that we had in front of us. And it is what I call a tether. So when I talk often about this particular conversation and I talk about mission is that a lot of non-for-profits tend to always have something holding them back, something that's preventing them from moving forward, from being different, from being innovative, 
because they're frightened to let go of whatever that thing is. And for us, it was actually about the four walls that we were in for 47 years. So constantly it was trying to get people to understand that we could deliver this service in a way that still has massive impact, but it doesn't need to be in the four walls that we have existed in forever because those four walls were having its own challenges as well. So it was about taking everybody in the community through the journey of picturing what that might look like and getting them to understand the benefits and the impact that can be made, not only as our organisation, but as each individual will have that impact as well throughout that whole process. So communication was a big part of getting everybody on board with that vision. You're talking well about communication and sort of getting everybody on board, but what about your clients or participants? We had some really challenging weeks, actually, through that transition. As I said, it was about breaking down the barriers of getting them to understand what that service may look like and having those discussions and really getting some robust ideas about what that might look like for them. Because it doesn't matter what business you're in, that you need to have that that real deep understanding about what your clients, consumers, participants need and what that means for them so you, that you can co-create that space together and move forward. Because obviously, like any change, if you get everybody on board with you, it just makes that change so much easier. As I said, building those relationships, making sure that we're connecting to a wide range of service partners throughout the community to make sure that we transitioned people through those services. So the services that we actually decided to relinquish, we joined forces with other service providers to ensure that they took those clients on and made sure that there was no disruption to service whatsoever throughout that period. And then the clients that remained with us in regards to the programs that we delivered, we've been working very closely with them through that transition to ensure that it's what they need as well. Want to improve your co-design skills and confidence? Join Tracy Newman, the co-host of this podcast and Head of Impact at Impactor Consulting for the Co-Design for Impact training program. In this training, you'll explore co-design from start to finish, learning how to understand diverse stakeholder needs and create innovative solutions. You'll also get access to the co-design workbook with essential worksheets and connect with like-minded individuals from the social sector. Act fast because this popular course fills up quickly. Secure your spot now by clicking the link in this episode's show notes or visiting impactoconsulting.com.au forward slash co-design for impact. Remember, co-design for impact is one word with no hyphens. Don't miss this chance to enhance your co-design skills. So just to be clear now, there's not a bricks and mortar element to this. It's 100% online. Do you have a central office or something like that still where people work from or is, is the workforce completely remote as well? We are 100% remote, so which is a huge transition from bricks and mortar and particularly in this space. I actually love the fact that Inclusi is extremely different and very innovative, especially in the aged care industry. We are absolutely forward leaders in this space and doing things differently. So we do catch up once a quarter for team training and we do that face-to-face and we catch up together for the day and do training that way. We also do our staff inductions face-to-face when they join us, but otherwise everything's remote. And the reason why we made that decision was because it was a conversation about the sustainability and growth of the organisation, but we want to walk the talk. So if we're expecting everybody else, including our clients and volunteers, to come together and connect virtually, we need to do it ourselves. Yeah, there's something really powerful about leading the way, isn't there? Because I'm guessing there are things that you've learned about how to connect in a way that's meaningful through working this way that you're also able to apply to your programs. Absolutely, because working with an entire remote workforce also has its challenges. You know, it's not for everyone. I know a lot of people and there's lots of conversations going on in this space at the moment around 
the work from home argument. And look, I'm completely supportive of it. And I absolutely believe there's huge benefits in doing it, but it's not for everybody. And it's something that you really need to work very hard to ensure that you create a safe environment in which people can still learn, grow and connect with that. As I said, we've got to walk the talk. We've got to ensure that we're connecting really well as a team in order to ensure that our services are successfully connecting as well. There's some people out there that believe that older people in the aged care space can find technology a little bit challenging. Is that a bit of a myth or are you finding that that's a reality for your team? It's 100% a myth, Dan. So, you know, one thing I believe in, and and that's really what our programs are centred around, is connection on their terms. And that is just not true. Older people are experts in change. And, you know, we've spoken to many of our participants that have taken us on the journey of what they've been through in their lifetime. And technology actually is only a small component of the change that they've seen. So I think we absolutely discredit how amazing they are in this space and how great they are. And we've got people that are in our programs now that I would say they're even better at technology than I am. So absolutely 100% a myth. But one thing about our programs is we did understand and we still do understand that there is absolutely a digital divide. So along with our social connection programs, because we deliver our connection programs through technology, we need to bring people on that journey with us. So the way our programs are actually created is we provide a tablet for them because one of the challenges are that some people actually don't have access to the technology hardware itself. We also give them the internet. So again, many people might not be able to socially connect through digital technology because they might not have access to internet. And we also set up our program so we make it, if not through the technology, we make it not about the technology. So the tablet and our programs are all set up in a virtual community environment, which they only really need to know how to do two things. One is plug it in and turn it on. We take care of all the rest of it for them. But if they want to learn more about how to use technology, their tablet, the internet, how to shop, how to internet bank, anything that they want to do in this space, we also provide that environment and skill set for them as well. So they can take it and just do the connection. But if they want to grow and, and learn a whole heap of new skills, we support them with that. Do you have any idea about what the numbers are of people who are wanting to learn more about technology? Oh, look, I think everybody is still learning, regardless of age, regardless of skill set. But what I love is is that hunger and thirst for knowing more. And what we absolutely see in our programs is people tend to like to start slow. So they'll like to just get into one of the programs and test that out and see what that's like and overcome those barriers of fear or be the aid, meeting someone for the very first time or fear of like any trying anything new. I don't know what this is going to be like. I don't know if this is going to be for me. Once they dip their toe in the water and they start that very first program, they're off and racing. They are into everything. And the next question is, what else can I be a part of? Which we love to see. Look, our mission is all about connecting people as much as possible. And then they start to really start explore it and getting to understand how much they actually can do in the technology space. I love that you've just made it easy for anyone, whether you're somebody comfortable with technology or somebody who's very new to it. I think that's really important, isn't it, to sometimes remove those barriers of entry for people so that you can have better participation. Absolutely, Dan. And as I mentioned, it's coming back to that mission again. Nowhere in our mission actually talks about technology at all. 
we're continuing to focus on that social connection. The technology is literally just the vehicle in which we deliver it. So we're delivering it differently, but it's not about the technology. They can learn all those skills and it helps them in so many other ways because there are some people that are really, really isolated because they don't have those skill sets. But it's always coming back to that mission and returning back to that main purpose of why we're here in the first place. Yeah, and I think that's what's really interesting is that you've been able to use your mission to make decisions, even though some of those decisions were probably really difficult and really challenging. But because it's all lined up, it seems to be sort of helping you to navigate that tricky path that without that mission, you could still potentially be all over the place. Absolutely. And and so, Tracy, we still have that challenge constantly every time we have to make a decision. Myself and the board will constantly come back to the table and reevaluate any decision that we make from a strategic and mission-aligned purpose. So any new funding opportunities, or in some cases, sometimes when we need to relinquish funding because it's no longer the right fit for us, they're difficult decisions to make, but always making sure that we're coming back to the key purpose in, in every instance. So making sure we're valued-aligned and strategically aligned to the mission. Going back to what I sort of said at the start of the episode, I think this is just such a great example of an organization being really clear on what the mission is and then using that to make important strategic decisions. You know, if you look at where you started and then what you're doing today, it's still missioned aligned, but you've sort of brought it to become relevant and you've brought it to be focused on impact rather than how do you deliver things that we have done in the past historically or things that are just completely aligned to existing funding. I think that's really cool. I think if I was listening to this podcast as a a leader that's in a situation like where you were a few years ago before you made this change, what advice would you have for me around the best way to do that? Coming back to what I refer to as the tether, I think any group, whether it's executives or board or together, your community, whoever it is, needs to work out what that thing is that's holding you back. Sometimes it can be something physical. As I said, in our case, it was a physical location. Sometimes it might be about the people and the team that you might even have on board to help you make those right decisions. You need to work out what it is that you're not prepared or haven't previously been prepared to let go of. There are some instances where people might need to redirect or redefine their mission to ensure that that is really clear. But usually, as I said, there is something that if you look deep underneath and you continue to dig those questions until you get to a point that you find the real core issue, that's the issue that you need to address. And it's about whether you're prepared to cut the cord and let yourself go. As I said, we wouldn't be the organisation that we are today. And we are making so much more impact than just being a local community centre. We are now delivering services across Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria. And we have volunteers, again, not just locally, we have volunteers all over Australia, which means that we can customise and make sure that we get the best experience for our participants because we can find the best volunteers because they are the volunteers that they need. So I just encourage that everybody to have the difficult conversation to really challenge yourselves and go through a workshop, spend time on strategy. That's something that I feel that a lot of organisations, regardless of whether you're non-for-profit or not, don't spend enough time in. So how do you know what's going to be your future if you're not taking the time today? And I actually think you need to be taking time regularly to reassess that. So ask the difficult questions. Make sure you've got the right team to make those decisions as well because, as I said, sometimes it might be people that might be holding us back. 
one of the challenges in non-for-profit and charities is many of them are steeped in tradition. So it's not about losing that tradition, but also making sure that you're being innovative with the tradition not being lost. And that can be a challenge. So asking the right questions. I agree because sometimes what we see is organisations that have that really beautiful tradition of success over a long period of time find it really difficult to be innovative and to make change because they're so used to that tradition of success that it's tricky for them to then try something new because that history can be that tether. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with you, Tracy. Sometimes the history itself can be that tether. So it's about what does that look like for the organisation? How do you keep your history intact but moving forward to be different and create a new history? So it's sometimes a challenge and it's a really difficult conversation to have. For us, we were very fortunate that we had the right people in place to make those decisions. A really supportive board. For me, I was coming in with fresh perspective and fresh eyes and and looking at it in a different way. And I'm so grateful that we're here because, as I said, the impact and difference we're making today is so much more than what we would have if we remained doing the things how we always were. You've mentioned that you've been able to have a greater impact through these changes, but you also had some really tricky conversations about funding and and what funding you would go for and, and what funding you would walk away from. Has that been successful? Absolutely. The outcomes of those is that we are making sure that any of those funding decisions continue to align strategically again to the mission and purpose. And it's also meant that we've been able to be innovative. So as I mentioned, we started from delivering face-to-face connection services. We originally started with putting together an innovation project, which was a short-term funding agreement to actually trial what this might look like on a greater scale. And it was through that innovation project that we were actually successful and able to grow the organisation to where it is today. And so coming back and reflecting where we were five years ago to where we are today, we have an amazing remote workforce. We have a 92% engagement score two years ago. Last year, we had a 91% engagement score. My managers have a 96% engagement score. Last year, we were either one or finalists in 10 national awards including awards in innovation, consumer choice, and health and well-being. So obviously, we're doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. If people want to check out more about your organization, Inclusi, where should they go? Best place to check us out, Dan, is at www.inclusi, which is I-N-C-L-U-S-E-E.org.au on our website and come and check us out or give us a call on 1-800-287-687. Awesome. Well, we'll put some links in the show notes of this episode so that if anyone would like to check that out, they can just click the link and go straight through there. So, hey, that's been an awesome chat, Rachel. Like I said it before, really great example of an organization that's got really clear on what they want to achieve and the impact that they want to have, and then are making those hard calls to get there, which is the sort of stuff that we love in the innovation space. So, thanks so much for sharing that with us today. And definitely advise everybody to check out the organization via the links in the show notes. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Dan and Tracy. I really appreciate this time with you this morning and hopefully someone took something out of it and I'm more than happy to talk to anyone about these challenges. So if I can help in any way, please let me know. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. 
visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.